James chapter 3. Is everybody ready? Verse 1, my brethren, do not let many of you become teachers knowing that we'll receive a stricter judgment. Uh, I guess that's just a throw in scripture, meaning if you're not called to teach, you don't try to be one. Verse 2, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. How many horse riders do we have out there? Not many? One? One. Two, three, four, five. Uh, It is pretty amazing you can turn a horse with that bit, but you do have to actually turn that horse. And if you let that horse run off, man, it'll, it'll go where it wants to if you don't yank that thing. I got in trouble one time when I was a kid. My cousin... Uh, used to have horses, so I used to go uh, ride horses. And I had my favorite horse. It was a, it was a decent size for me. And uh, one day we took off running, and that horse ran under a tree limb. And when we got back to the, to the barn, my cousin, she ripped my head off. She said, don't you ever let that horse take you under a limb. You're supposed to do whatever it takes because you're in control. Well, you're in control of your life. And if you don't start controlling your tongue, it's going to take you where you don't want to be. Your mouth is going to have to get in check and you're going to have to start ordering it according to God's word. We put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, though they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they're turned by by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Doesn't take much to start a fire in a forest, does it? One spark, one match can start a a whole forest fire. And the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. A world of immorality. Your tongue is your problem. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body And sets on fire the course of nature. And it's set on fire by hell. (laughs) What do you mean set on fire by hell? Well, it means the devil shoots fiery darts at your tongue. Remember, you're supposed to use your shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. What's What's he shooting those fiery darts at? Your foot? No, he's shooting those fiery darts at your mind so that he can get into your tongue or, or maybe it has to go through the mind to your heart, out your mouth, but he's, he's ultimately looking for that tongue. That's what it says right here. Hell is trying to set your tongue on fire. Hell is trying to make you say wrong things at the house. Hell is trying to get you to flap that tongue and set your course on fire. Burn up your future. Hell's trying to burn your future up with your own mouth. Hell's trying to ruin all your relationships with your own mouth. Hell is after that tongue of yours. If you don't learn how to talk right, and if you don't start talking right, and if you don't stop talking wrong, you're going to mess up your destiny. You're going to mess up your friends. You're going to mess yourself up if you don't talk right. Hell is after that tongue of yours. Grab your tongue. Go ahead, grab your tongue. Hold No, I'm just kidding, just kidding. Grab your tongue, hold on to it, and say, don't you dare let 
You don't want to let your tongue go flapping off. The pilot's in charge of the rudder. You're in charge of your tongue. You're in charge of that horse of yours. It just takes a little tongue to, to head the right direction. You got it? All right, so most of your troubles are probably, well, we've always said it this way, 33% of your troubles are from the devil. 33% of your other troubles are from the world around you. Work, people, traffic, issues, weather, whatever, from the world around you. And then 33% of your troubles are from you. So you're the cause of 33% of your problems. Like, you're scoring a 67% at best if you can't get hold of your tongue. If you don't stop making wrong decisions and and stop saying wrong things. All right, so you got the answer for your life? So take account of where you're at today. Uh, The reason you're where you're at today is largely because of your mouth. Your tongue can set on fire and burn up your future, or it can establish your future. So wherever you're at today is a result of your mouth. Now, that's bad news and good news. The bad news is you've messed things up. You've delayed your future. You've delayed success. You've missed out on a whole lot because of that mouth. The good news, though, is you can change your tomorrow. If you just start talking right today, you can experience God. You can have miracles. You can succeed and be excellent and cause great success for the rest of your life. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. He's basically saying in the natural No man can do it, but spiritual people have power to do it, that God can do exceeding abundantly uh, above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us, that we're strengthened with might by his spirit. We can do all things through Christ, so therefore we can tame the tongue. Verse 9, with it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who've been made in the similitude of God. Here's where you you have to not have an attitude against human beings. You can't be mad at strangers out there in traffic, can't be mad at the fast food restaurant, can't be mad at the waiter, can't be mad at work, can't be mad at the boss, can't be mad at the coworkers, can't be mad at your spouse. I said you cannot be cursing your spouse. You cannot be cursing your children. You cannot be cursing your parents. You cannot be cursing people, period. Here you are blessing God and cursing people. That's ridiculous. People are made in the image of God. Have some respect. And I know that you're not sitting there going, I curse thee, oh, no. Speaking bad of, putting down, despising railing on people. Come on, just quit it. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. 
Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Stop there. What's he saying? He's saying, look, you're born again. There is no reason for you to be speaking like that. There's no reason for you not to control your mouth. You should take some authority over that mouth because there's no reason for it. Only good is supposed to come out of you. You make that happen. Your spiritual life determines your natural success. Listen, your spiritual life, it sets you up. It sets you up to um, experience God, to receive power, to, to succeed in all manner of life, including natural life. Amen. Your natural life will fail if your spiritual life fails. For many, it'll, it'll last a little while, but it doesn't matter if you make a bunch of money, you'll lose your whole family. All sorts of calamities happen if you don't have a spiritual life and if you're not strong spiritually. So your spiritual health determines your whole life. And your spiritual health is really uh, designated outwardly or evidenced by your tongue. So when you can start talking right, uh, you'll be on the road somewhere. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Well, I'll quote some Proverbs for you. Proverbs 6, verse 2 says, You're snared by the words of your mouth. You're taken by the words of your mouth. Proverbs 12, 6 says, The mouth of the upright will deliver them. Proverbs 12, verse 13 says, The wicked is ensnared. You can put, you can put them up there. I'm, Proverbs 12, 13, the wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will come through trouble. Proverbs 12, 14, a man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hands will be rendered to him. Proverbs 12, 18, says there's one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. Proverbs 18, 7, a fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. Maybe you ought to talk just a little bit less. Just talk a little bit less. Just talk a little less. Just don't say every thought. Husbands, point at your wife. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Everybody point at themselves. You say, talk a little less. You know how you, know how you feel. It, it, we all do it. You start to express something. And as you're talking, you're thinking, ooh, I really shouldn't be saying this. Ooh, I really shouldn't be going there. Oh, now, oh, I'm opening this door. Now I'm going to have to explain. And I don't even know how to explain what I'm thinking just talk less. Now, talk less on the bad stuff, but make sure you do say good stuff. Don't just be a silent creature all day long. That'll really frustrate your spouse. I mean, that'll really frustrate your wife if you don't talk at all. The most frustrating thing for wives is when their, ma their husband is in the nothing box, right? Doing nothing, saying nothing, looks dead as a doornail, except his eyes are open. 
That is very frustrating to wives. So husbands, you do need to say something. But I would say talk a little bit less. Make sure you can control what you're about to say. And when it comes to your life, you're going to have to make sure you hold back on all the worldly talk. When it comes to your life, you're going to have to let go of all the sin nature that keeps coming out of your, your mouth. All the weird stuff that you didn't really, you just picked up from, from the world, from culture, right? Just weird stuff. I mean, we, we bring death, we bring fear right into our words. We, we start killing ourselves, basically. Killing ourselves by what we say. What do I mean by that? I mean, you're sitting there saying, my feet are killing me. My back is killing me. Okay, well, that's one day off. One day less on your long life. You just. Good word. That's a good word. Amen. I'm just, I'm just, I just died laughing. Weird stuff. We just, this is just some simple little surface examples where we just say stupid things that aren't scriptural, that, that God would never talk like this. I just died. Jesus, I just died laughing. There's no death in God. It, it shouldn't be in your vocabulary either. Jesus didn't even like to speak of death. Remember they, they, about Lazarus, he told his disciples he, he's sleeping. And the disciples are like, oh, well, let's go take a nap with him. It'd be good for all of us. He said, I'm not talking about sleeping. He, he did die. He didn't want to have to even admit it. He was trying to just say he was sleeping because there's no death in Christ. There shouldn't be death in you. You shouldn't think death. Shouldn't talk death. Shouldn't let it slip out. Fear the same way. Are you going to be able to go to the picnic? I'm afraid not. Why do you have to be so afraid about it? Can't you just say probably not? Can't you say probably so? Why don't you just say yes? I'm coming. Everybody else is. See how we... You got to get your mind renewed. You got to get the word in your heart so that the right stuff comes out of your mouth so that your spirit can catch you, can, can tame you. You got to get strength in you. You got to get the word in you so that you can tame that tongue. <clears throat> well, is it going to be cold out there today? I'm afraid so. It's not very scary if it's, it's not scary. It's just terminology that sneaks in. So that's just surface stuff. But now let's also talk about the internal conversation that goes on on the inside of you. And, and, and that internal conversation is a, is a product of how you were raised, what you've experienced, what you know up until now. And so if you weren't trained perfectly in God's word, grew up in a wholesome home where the word of God was highlighted and where you walked with God from a young age, you're going to have to relearn some things and retrain yourself. Or you'll start thinking wrong about yourself. I mean, you'll continue thinking wrong about yourself. Good for nothing, always mess up, et cetera, et cetera. But it has to do with your identity. You know, we, we feel less than we should of ourselves for all these different reasons. Our self-esteem needs some help. Well, your self-esteem doesn't come from you winning trophies. Your self-esteem comes from the way you think and talk about yourself. Listen, 
I knew kids, and maybe I was one, didn't matter how bad they performed, they still felt good about themselves, largely because of parents, largely because of attitude in the house, et cetera, et cetera. But especially when the Word of God is involved, you can have a, a good identity and a good self-esteem regardless of how successful you are. And if you can build that up, you'll start becoming more successful. It'll actually come to pass. I mean, you know, uh, even ugly people think they're pretty. I mean, I'm sorry, that's a bad example. We all, we all have all of this uh, self-analysis done. I mean, even not-so-funny people think they're funny. Isn't that right? And so everybody has this picture of this image of themselves, well, just make sure that it's written in the Word of God. Your real self-image needs to be the Word of God. And then all of a sudden, you're full of joy, even though there might not be a reason to be. All of a sudden, you feel confident, even though I don't know why you should. All of a sudden, you start acting like you can do all things through Christ. I don't know if you really can, but if you'll start believing it, you can. All of a sudden, if you'll start believing it and talking like that and thinking like that, you know, there's this internal uh, MP3 player inside of you that keeps playing, keeps playing, keeps playing, rehearsing everything about your life that you grew up with, rehearsing how you used to be, rehearsing how you, rehearsing the wrong way to think, and you're going to have to hit pause and then go find another MP3 file to play. We used to say it was like a record playing, but. But if you play the record backwards, oh wait, in the 80s we learned don't do that. Nobody knows what a record is anyway. <clears throat> do the young folks know what records are? You know what a record is? She don't know what a record is. You do? Oh, yeah. There's always a smart one in the group. Did I say smart one or smart aleck one? I don't know. Uh, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We quote this all the time, but these are principles uh, that you and I need to uh, activate, apply put into our life on a daily basis. If death and life are in the power of the tongue, why don't you create some life today? Why don't you get up, say some good things today? Why don't you decide to say some good things? Because if you don't say the words out of your mouth, they don't do anything. So hold back the bad words, but make sure you say the good words so that they'll do something for you. Create some life in your life. I mean, you can actually have a, a great emotional day if you'll say some good words about it. You'll have a great emotion, emotion. How many, how many emotional people do we have in here? Go ahead. It's not a trick question. You can be emotional, but you got to say right words about yourself. So your emotions are good. Get up and say, I'm full of joy and glory and strength today. You look in the mirror. You're like, I don't know if I believe that or not, but say it anyway. I sure feel a little bit, whatever. Well, say good words anyway. They'll overtake the thoughts. Your words can actually overcome all of your emotions. They're really, your emotions are powerful, very powerful, 
but your words are more powerful. They really are. They're more powerful. If you'll spend five minutes saying wholesome words over yourself, depression will leave at least for the day. Say some words over your emotion and you can fix grief. You can fix depression. You can fix lack of peace. You can fix all sorts of chaos and confusion. If you'll say right words about yourself, say scripture, quote some scripture and command that stuff to disappear. Say these words out of your mouth. You got it? Because words out of your mouth are more powerful than your feelings and your emotions. Now we can take this over into sickness and disease. Your words can overcome the feelings of sickness and disease. Your words can actually have some power over pain and torment. But what are the first words out of your mouth when a calamity comes? What are the first words out of your mouth when a pain or a calamity comes. For many people, if you're not trained in this, for many people, the first thought is, honey, oh my gosh, I feel a, I think a, I might have a, those are not supposed to be your first words. Your first words should not be called the, your first words should be some scripture. Your first word should be God's word. You're going to set your course right here. The first moment of calamity, you're, you're about to set your course. You're about to establish which direction we're headed. So I, I, I like to make sure you say something like, don't worry, everything's going to be fine. Say that first. Everything's going to be fine. God's going to sustain. He'll supply. He'll take care. He will, he will deliver Everything's going to work out. Don't you be afraid. Nothing shall by any means hurt me. Start, start with that. Start with that. Quote a little half of scripture. Nothing shall by any means. Just find something. Fear thou not, for I am with you. Neither be thou dismayed, for I am thy God. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will strengthen you. Oh, God's going to help me. Wait, 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 wait. God's going to help us. He'll help us right here. How about that statement? And within 30 seconds, you can establish some victory. You can establish a direction where God can then work with you and walk with you, lead you and guide you, strengthen you and sustain you, give you peace instead of chaos. Now you'll have to keep saying some stuff maybe, but at least you didn't head that sorrowful, scared direction. Listen, your tongue is going to get you where you need to be. You're going to have to tame it. I give you permission to remind your family members to tame their tongue. Anytime somebody in the house, tame that tongue. You can bring my name into it. You can bring God into it. You can bring Jesus. I don't care who you bring into it, but just tell them, tame that tongue, pastor said. Tame that tongue, James, the apostle said. Tame that tongue. You hush your mouth. Tame that tongue. Tame that tongue. I just gave permission to families. I, ho I hope it creates peace and not chaos. Uh, let, me, let me talk from the other side. If somebody in your house... I don't care if it's your child or your grandma tells you to tame that tongue. 
you better humbly say, you're right. Don't you dare fly off further. That is your moment to obey God. Don't you dare get mad. Well, you'll be mad, but don't sin. You'll be mad that they got you. You'll be mad that you messed up. You'll be mad that you recognize, you know what? I just did say some stupid stuff. But when they say, tame your tongue, you better humbly. Matter of fact, why don't you just get on your knees? Just make yourself do something very humbling. Get on your knees and say, I'm very sorry. Forgive me, God, and forgive me, family. How about that? How about that for Christian living? How about that for Christian living? In the old day, they used to call them the word police. If you said anything that had doubt or unbelief in it, up, uh, up, take it back, take it back, take it back. Well, that roller coaster just thrilled me to death. Ah, 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 take it back, take it back, take it back. That'll get on your nerves pretty quick, but it might also t- train you. So somehow you got to figure out how to, how to sound like a Christian who knows Jesus. Isn't that what he said? We bless God with our mouth. We bless God and father. And then we curse men cursing yourself, saying all that weird stuff, singing songs in church. I love Jesus. And then saying stupidity at the house. Shouldn't be. All right. Is it time to go home? Is everybody done? Let's go practice a bit. Go to second Corinthians chapter five, second Corinthians chapter five. Now let's uh, turn it toward ourself. Make sure that you're saying the right words for yourself to succeed. You do have a relationship with people and you can use it for that. But let's use it for ourselves. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. All right, so we quote these a lot, but let's... Let's go look again. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. King James says creature. I kind of like creature better. You can like either one. A new person. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Like God created me. I'm I'm a new creation. Very unique. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you're in Christ, how many of you are in Christ? Anybody in Christ in here? How many of you are in Christ? Hey, if you've received him, you're in him. You may not feel it, but we're, we're trying to get, your, get you over your feelings. We're trying to get you over your emotions. If, you're in, if you've received Jesus, you're in Christ. And if you're in Christ, you're new. 
Look down into your spirit and say, I'm new. I'm totally new. No, say it with a little high pitch. I'm totally new. If you're born again, there's a reason for it. You got born again so you can become new. So you don't have to be old, think old, obey the old man. You're a new creature. God sees you new. He doesn't see the old you. He sees only Christ and those who are in Christ. So if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Old things passed away. All things have become new. Say that for yourself. Say, everything's new now. All things became new for me. Okay, now, there's contradiction, isn't there? Especially if you're brand new in Christ. Because you're saying everything's new, but life looks similar as it used to, doesn't it? Life is the same, but you're saying everything's new, but it looks the same. You're saying everything's new, but it looks the same. Yeah, say it until it looks different. Say it until it looks different to you. Say it until you ascend and rise above all the world and all the problem. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Your faith overcomes the world. It rises up and sees reality. So you need to say this scripture a bunch. All things are new. I'm new. Everything, I'm a new creature and everything's new. I'm a new creature and everything's new. Get up tomorrow. I'm a new creature. Everything's new. I'm a new creature. Everything's new. I am a new creature. I'm a new creation. Verse 21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become or be made. King James says, be made the righteousness of God in him. So he made Jesus become sin so that I could become righteous. How about you say that? Say, I am righteous. I'm accepted. Say, I'm righteous before God. In Christ. It's hard for some to say that because they're thinking self-righteous. You're not righteous on your own accord. But in Christ, you're righteous. You're not self-righteous. Don't be self-righteous. Don't start thinking highly of yourself because you did a couple good things. Well, I went and served at the soup kitchen. I feel real good about myself. That's why people do it. I mean, that's why some people do it. They do it once a year to to feel good about themselves. You know, they've, uh, well, I don't know what they do. Praise the Lord. Is anybody feeling good about themselves yet? They say that there's three things that determine your identity. Number one, your genetics. Number two, your your psychic determinism or your psychological because of all of your experiences. And then number three, your environment. Those three things uh, affect or determine your identity. But what if faith can change it all? What if faith in God's word, enacting God's word, applying God's word, saying God's word to yourself, confessing scripture, engrafting the word in you, changing the way you talk, what if that changes everything? What if it can change your identity so that you're not just an old whatever you used to be, you're a Christian, you're a Christian, 
I don't know why they say Christian, uh, just the way uh, the English language is. It's Christian. I'm a Christ follower. I'm a Christ example. I'm just like Christ. When I see him, I'll be as he is. I'm a Christian. I'm in Christ. And so I'm going to, I should look different. Christians ought to be different. Christians ought to be different. Disciples of Jesus ought to be different at work. We ought to have a different demeanor. We ought to have a different attitude. We ought to be like love sponges, joy sponges. Peace sponges. Just you get around us and it's like, ooh, just joy and peace and love and all this stuff oozes out when you were expecting something else. And that's why the the easy example for you is is the traffic. I always bring up the traffic. Uh, Just when people are expecting you to frown because they cut you off, you're smiling. Why can't you smile? Sinners frown. Why don't Christians smile? Didn't he say, be good to those that use you? Pray for those that, despite, that hurt you? Bless those that curse you? They're cursing you and you're blessing them. Don't do it too big. They'll get mad at that. I did that one time and I felt bad. This guy was really mad at me for something. Of course, I didn't do anything wrong, but of course, he, he was mad at me for something. And so I, as we drove past, I just, oh, he, that just inflamed him even more. So be careful how happy you look. At least be happy. Uh, part of this is, is this, that we're not just religious followers. We're not just trying to step in the same steps. Jesus started off with his disciples. He said, follow me. He said, follow me. Then he said, I will make you. And he said, I'll make you fishers of men. But first you follow, then he makes you, turns you, changes you, right? So he started off saying, follow me. But later on, he said, abide in me. So all of a sudden, it's not just following someone on the exterior. Uh, it turns into be in him, abide in me. Once you abide in Christ, you have a new outlook. Your identity changes. You can think more highly of yourself. Not than you ought to, but because you're in Christ, you can think very highly of who you are in Christ. That God has called you. He chose you. He's destined you. He knew you before you were born. He had a, he had a whole plan before you were born. Go ahead and identify with that plan. Plan A. You and I lived plan B, C, D, Z. We lived all these false plans until we came into the kingdom and committed our life. Now, you do have to commit. You can't just get saved. You got to commit to this. And then you learn. And then all of a sudden, I find myself in plan A and it's different. It's all new. Everything else is old. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But if you don't have any word in you, you won't talk right. The first thing that needs to happen after you get saved is you got to learn the word so that the right things get in your heart so that the right things come out of your mouth. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The overflow, uh, your, your tongue is just unloading the overflow. So if you're filling it with all sorts of garbage, whether it's worldly garbage, sinful garbage, 
are just false identity garbage, low self-esteem garbage, fear garbage. If you're just loaded up with that, that's what's coming out. So just tape your mouth up until you can fix what's in here. People say, well, I, but I'm so damaged. Yeah, we're all damaged. You're totaled. Matter of fact, you're so damaged, you're totaled. You're totaled. Tow, tow that old you to the wrecker yard and uh, get a new you. That's why you need to be born again. You're, we're all totaled. We're all worth nothing. The old man's worth nothing. Just let him disappear. And the, sometimes when the, the old you has to disappear, that means the old you's friends have to disappear. That's part of you, the old you. So you need to disconnect and depart for five years until you become the new you, and then you can present yourself to them. Doesn't have to be five years. But the new you can say, hello, I'm the new me. But if you don't be very careful, they'll pull you right back into the old you. Praise the Lord. Uh, imagine getting to heaven and God saying something like this. Before I laid the foundation of the earth, I thought of you and the days you would live on earth. I planned out the people and the places I would give you. I laid out your neighbors and your workplace, the places you would attend school and your family. I laid out enough days to do all the good works that I purposed for you. And I equipped you with all you would need to accomplish those purposes here. I filled you with my spirit to encourage and remind you and lead you. I gave you my word so you would know me and know who you are in me and you would know what to do. I gave you people to run with and people who needed me. Let's talk about how all that went. That is going to be part of the conversation. He had this plan. Did you jump in it? He had a destiny for you. Did you enjoy it? Did you fulfill it? Part of what we just read in this chapter is that he gave you a ministry. Does everybody know what your ministry is? Because a lot of times Christians sit in church wondering, well, what's my ministry? You know, they got all these places to serve. What's my ministry? Well, just throw a dart at any of those. <laughs> to get started, you might have to just throw a dart. Then the spirit can lead you into the grace that he's given you. At the same time, we all have the same ministry. We all have the same general ministry, and it's found right here. What does it say? All things are of God, verse 18, who's reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. You and I both have the same ministry. It's to reconcile sinners to God. Or we could say reconcile people to God. Part of reconciliation uh, is getting sinners saved. The other part is discipling those who believe. I need believers to be pleasing God in their life. That's reconciling. So the ministry of reconciliation is for all of us. And then it says he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. And so uh, what I want to do is that what I want to do here is your identity includes purpose. Okay. You won't go very far if you don't have purpose in life. You need to recognize your Christian identity is brand new and with it comes holy purpose. And if you don't get into that purpose, then you will 
you will falter in your identity because purpose moves you and motivates you and gives you reason. Why, why, why talk better? Just so that you're more comfortable in life? No, so that you don't mess up your purpose. Well, what's my purpose? It's the ministry of reconciliation. Somehow you got to find yourself in the body, working together, doing the works. Somehow you got to be part of this ministry of reconciliation. Somehow you need to accept the fact that you need to shine bright for somebody else. That life is not all about you. You're not to be self-centered and self-focused. You're supposed to live holy and healthy so others can see God. Somehow, and all of a sudden then that changes the way you, you act. Changes the way you talk. Changes how you are at work. Make sense? Y'all were more enthused about the identity part. I'm telling you, this purpose stuff is inside the identity. You're going to have to get some Christian purpose in you or you will never have enough to do that's good. Without Christian purpose, you'll sit there wondering, well, I don't know what else to do. And you'll get yourself in trouble. I was thinking that too. Uh, chapter 6, verse 1. We then, as workers together with him. You're a worker together with God. That's purpose. He needs you. He wants you. You're working with him. Workers together with God. We then, as workers together with God, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. The grace of God in vain would be getting all this favor and doing nothing with it. Getting all this glory and goodness and then not having a purpose. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now. He said, I have helped you. God has helped us. He promised he would help, to help us. He has helped us. You need to recognize his help. Be, be happy about his help. Trust his help for tomorrow. He'll help you get a new identity. He'll help you put the scripture in your heart. He'll help you talk right. He'll help your life turn out well. He'll help you fulfill your purpose. You're going to have to commit to him. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day that he's helped us. You're going to have to say yes to it. Matter of fact, just practice that. Say yes. yes. You got to say yes to this kind of talk. When God says something really wonderful like this, you need to say yes. Okay. Okay. Try that one. Say okay. 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 I'm getting it. That's changing me. Okay. He's helped me. I'm helped. Come on, if you don't say the words, nothing's changing. Anybody ever been in a canoe, a kayak, paddling? If you don't paddle, you're going with the water. But if you paddle, you can head the right direction. Now at man camp, we had kayak races and some of our partners tumped our kayak over.
Don't tump your kayak over. Don't let your tongue ruin your kayak race. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The greatest captivity of a person is a wrong mentality. And, and we're talking about being captive in your mind. You, you're still enslaved uh, or captured or bound by your old way of thinking, the old image, the old attitudes. So that's your greatest captivity. You're, you are somebody. You already are somebody. In Christ, man, he's got a plan. In Christ, he sees you sparkling with destiny and purpose. You'll have to learn who you are so you can fulfill it. I mean, listen, you have to know that you're a new creature in Christ Jesus so that you can win a soul. If you feel like an old dirty sinner, you won't lead people to Christ. And this is one reason why people don't share their faith is because they feel dirty. There's other reasons, but one reason people don't share their faith is, is they, they're not living a great life. They feel guilty or they're just not on fire for God. If you're not on fire for God, it'll be very difficult to pass out a track. I'm closing the book. Y'all are looking at me like, Pastor, we were happy till you brought up work. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. And you'll have to do this, you'll have to put this on your uh, calendar so that you're, you're faithful and diligent with it. Uh, because your mind doesn't, restave, doesn't stay renewed any more than your hair stays combed. Rather for Brother Hagen, but you have to renew your mind all the time. You're going to have to remind yourself. You're going to have to rehearse to yourself who you really are. You're going to have to rehearse your purpose. You're going to have to get out of bed and say, today's going to be a wonderful day. I'm going to shine bright for Jesus. I'm going to lead someone to Christ. Just say it out loud. Say, I'm going to lead someone to Christ this week. Just go ahead and try it. Say, I'm going to lead someone to Christ this week. Even in the back. Even in the back. I'm going to lead someone to Christ this week. I'm going to lead somebody to Jesus this week. Help me, God. Hey, there's a higher probability that you'll lead someone to Christ this week. You put your word on it. Some of you are thinking, yeah, but I didn't believe it. Well... The person next to you might have believed it. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life, and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.